Packers get a four-point victory over a team they should have destroyed. They break the news mid-game that they extended all-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari. And what does this game mean for the Packers' future? I'm Joey of Underage Packers, and welcome to episode 38. Now, before we get to all that great stuff, recapping yesterday's game and the news that broke mid-game, I just want to thank everybody for all the support that you've shown to Big B, everybody that um, contributed to my video I put together, everybody that was willing to do that means a lot to him, and I'm sure he is eager to get back here. So let's take a look at that Jacksonville Jaguars game. Now, a lot of it, the reactions on Twitter, uh, obviously and understandably, are not good. I am not feeling too good about yesterday's game. A win is a win, but here we are. It's a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Take that for what you will. The Jaguars, look. They did everything they needed to do to get an upset. Um, they got a rare, very rare Aaron Rodgers in reception. They got a Devontae Adams fumble, plenty of Devontae Adams drops, and they were able to return a punt on the great, greatest puncher of all time, J.K. Scott. Now, this was not all. I mean, I don't know how much you can blame on J.K. Scott because Packers didn't draft him. He's not out there to make tackles. However, these special teamers, although it is rare for Keelan Cole to find all the right holes, you, if if he's allowed to do that, you are not doing your job right. The play, looking at the play after you saw Ty Summers, uh, Jamal Williams, Darnells, uh, whoever was on special teams, they all filled the wrong gaps and it did not work for them. I wish J.K. should have made would have made the tackle, but he's quite frankly not the fastest or. Um, not the most athletic guy out there on the field. So you got to do better than that. Um, however, I believe that only ended up 14 points for them. They only capitalized on two of those. Obviously, the punt return is a touchdown right there. And then the Devontae or the Rodgers interception, I believe they got a touchdown after that. And then field goals, two field goals in the game. If this is a good offense, though, and we'll talk about this a little later, why the 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 mentality of win ugly to the Super Bowl is pretty flawed, especially when you're winning ugly against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk about Matt Lafleur's um, press conference and all of that as well. But a good offense, a Jaguars offense that doesn't have Jake Lutton, a Jaguars offense with their starter Gardner Minshew might be able to win this game. The fact that it came down to them down by four with a minute left is quite scary. You know, uh, Ludden, he hardly threw deep until the second half. He was able to absolutely abuse over the middle with Josh Jackson and Kadar Holman. Darnell Savage ain't cutting it, buddy. As my friend Alex Sagel said in the Cheese at TV comments today, Darnell Savage, more like Darnell Average, baby. You know, it's just, look. At some point, you want your team and the talent you have on it to play like what you invested in them. You want Darnell Savage to play like the 21st pick that the Packers traded up nine picks for. You want Rashawn Gary to get the playing time and play like a top 15 pick. You want Josh Jackson to play as a second rounder. He's been doing much better. You want Oren Bick Burks to be a third rounder that you traded for. You know, you can't you can't focus too much on draft picks from three years ago, but at some point you want to see your investments play off. You want Zadarius and uh, Preston Smith to play like they did last year, play like the two highest paid outside linebackers in the league. You want Kenny Clark to play pay, play like he just got paid $70 million over four years. You want Mike Pettin 
to just do his job and compromise for the inexperience of his two young inside linebackers outside of Christian Kirksey. You know, there's just a lot invested in this defense, and we talk about it a lot on here, especially, you know, before Houston after that Buccaneers loss. We talked about it a lot, how there's so much invested in this defense. It just never pays off. I, I, I'm, I'm really not satisfied with how anybody on the defense played yesterday. Uh, I mean, Kenny Clark looked a lot better. He looked um, more what we, we have him here to do, but still would like to see more from everybody else on the field. The offense, as far as that goes, Rodgers was a bad game, Rodgers. And then you you got to have better. you got to have better from everyone else. And, you know, I think, like I said, Jake Lutton definitely helped us out. I think the most stops the, the defense got was because it's Jake Lutton on the other side. So the, the Packers' offense, they had to compromise for Rodgers. You know, he, he still had that great touch on the MVS, but he was also off, wasn't uh, Texans games Rodgers, Falcons game Rodgers, or even Saints games Rodgers. He wasn't all the way there. Now, uh, let's talk more about the Packers play here, you know. And Big B on his big three, he said, don't shoot yourselves in the foot. And the Packers shoot themselves in the foot at least three times right there with those turnovers and punt return. But their, their play also, Devontae Adams not there uh, MVS stepped up. I would love to see Mr. Alan Lazard back because then we are looking at a very interesting three wide receiver look. James Robinson was allowed too much freedom. And uh, here we are winning by four points against Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, what this means for the Packers identity, I, w- I will say this. The, the constant low energy games are becoming very, very concerning. Now, I talked about this with Big B a few weeks ago. Is this something that is going to be a characteristic of Matt LaFleur all throughout his career? Because if it is, I need a warning for my heart. Episode is titled, Too Close for the Heart. Too Close for the Heart against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is this going to be a, a constant and consistent characteristic of Matt LaFleur? I know it's only a second year coaching, 30 year of calling plays. But, he's just not... We this is happening every time. Every time we lose, every time we play a game like this, the energy is not there, and you can't do too much about it. At some point, you have to stop accepting. You have to be stop being satisfied with Matt Fleur just going out there to his press conference and giving you the same coach-like answer. I appreciate him acknowledging it, but when is it going to turn into results? When are we going to play our own with a good team? I'm really interested in this Colts game because I want to see us hold, at least hold our own with a playoff team. I don't care if we don't win by 20. If we are able to hold our own and it comes down to a lucky fumble or whoever gets the ball last, then sure, okay, if that's good. Um, I, I know more about what our team is. But if we go out there against the Colts, a playoff team, and lay an egg? Come on. I mean, you look back now, how many playoff teams have we played? Probably Buccaneers, Saints, won one of those. And that Saints game should be the formula for the whole season. I am fine if that's how every Saint, uh, game for the rest of the season goes. I'd rather it not come down to a Taysom Hill fumble. But we hold our own throughout the entire game. Our weapons were firing on all cind- cylinders. Keep it up now. Now, another big thing everybody has been focusing on is 
we aren't doing well in this cold weather. People are even saying at this point, do we really even want that one seed? We're awful off of a bye. We're awful after even a mini bye coming off a Thursday night game. And we aren't looking too well at Lambeau when it's cold. Now, I do see that these, I'm not a Green Bay, Wisconsin weather expert, but I do see that it, maybe it, these wind conditions are abnormal these past two games, even for Lambeau Field. But if we are not a cold weather team, then what in God's name are we doing as a Green Bay Packers? You have to think Brian Gutekinds is sitting there, and when he's evaluating players, he has to be thinking, how are these players going to do for me in a late December game when it's 10 degrees and snowing at Lambeau Field? That has to be a factor, right? I'd really like to see this team put it together, use the talent they have, um... So come January, we're much more confident. We have one game first week of January against Chicago Bears. So there you have it, people. We are playing in January, confirmed. Then we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully we're playing in February. And hopefully not because of a delay. All right, let's get to another move that Brian Gutekinds made. Breaking in the middle of the third quarter, the Packers extend all-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari for four years and $105 million. I really think this is a move the Packers expected for a while, even if they didn't have the exact numbers. They knew they wanted to pay him. They knew they wanted to pay him big and really make him the highest-paid offensive lineman in history. They ended up getting that done last uh this past saturday at midnight so good for david now what does this mean for aaron jones kevin keen Corey lindsley and for big b's sake the goat jamal williams let's see here aaron jones we'll see what they do with him i you know i'm not a big fan of recent you know there's that stigma about re-signing giving running backs a second contract and how replaceable they are kevin king corners are not as easily replaced they've had struggles uh, finding good cornerbacks for years now. But Kevin Keene is great when he's on the field, but how much is he on the field? That's the question you have to ask yourself. The greatest ability is availability. Uh, to quote my scouting friends, Corey Lindsley has been doing phenomenal, probably the best center in football at this point. I'd love to see him back in the green and gold. We'll have to see what happens. If they do re-sign Corey Lindsley, I find it very hard to see him um, going and getting Aaron Jones Jamal Williams, I think in his past two weeks with uh, against the Texans, against the Buccaneers, the opportunities he's got, I think you have to say uh, he's shown what he is. I think he can be something really good with some team. I don't think that team is a Green Bay Packers, though. All right, let, let's get to now the future of the Packers season. I cannot believe it's already week 10, or week 11 is coming up. Can we just talk about that for a quick second here? It feels like just yesterday we were at training camp, or we weren't at training camp, but we were uh, watching training camp, watching Twitter to see that MVS made a good catch, watching Twitter to see the meaningless stuff that's happening at practice. And here we are at week 11. It's already, uh, I'm trying to enjoy it. I don't want to say it's almost over because we still got a lot of ball game left on the season. But it's, it's, it's just sad to see it go by so quick. So right now the Packers currently hold the first seed in the NFC. What this means, what how long they'll hold on to it, we'll see. But it is the Packers' first seed to lose. It is the Packers' conference to lose. The remaining schedule next week, obviously, at the Colts. We'll be talking about that um, a little bit here at the end of the episode, as well as Friday, uh, first the Bears, 
versus the Eagles, at Detroit versus Carolina versus Tennessee, and at Chicago. Only three home games in those remaining seven, or three away games in those remaining seven, rather. We'll see how that plays out for them. The, these are really tough games for them. The Carolina Panthers held up a really tough match with one of the best teams in the league, Kansas City. The Tennessee Titans obviously have the scariest scene of all to all Packers fans around the world. A good, powerful running back that you cannot tackle in Derrick Henry. The Chicago Bears, they've been on a downfall. I know fans really are not liking Matt Nagy over there. They did change the play caller. We'll see how much that helps them, and hopefully it shakes them up a little bit so they are not playoff contenders come Week 17 because my heart cannot take a Week 17 game that can decide division, especially, I believe, I don't think that Week 17 game is a Sunday night game, but Week 12 against them is Sunday night. I hate hypotheticals, and I hate these type of silly predictions, but I'd be happy if we win at least four of those. I'd be very happy. With, I mean, I'd, I'd be content with that. I'd like us to get five or six wins. Uh, I'd feel really confident. If we can win the last three games of the year, especially going against Carolina, Tennessee, and then in Chicago at a venture rival, I, I will be pretty happy with that. And then if we can obviously pick up that win against the Eagles in Detroit, I'd be pretty happy. Now, obviously, Colts, Bears, we can win out. We can run the table. We don't need to. I'm not. I, it's too early to talk about clinching divisions. We'll talk about that a little bit later uh, in the season. But Green Bay, you got seven weeks. Put it together. Make me feel more comfortable going into the playoffs so it doesn't end in a heartbreak again. Because <laughs> seriously, you look back at it: 2020 or 2019 lose and a blowout in the NFC Championship game. 2019, uh, 2018, 2017, two years. Without making the playoffs, hardest years of my life. 2016, a blowout in the NFC Championship game. 2015, I can't exactly remember what happened, but not good. 2014, a blown lead in the NFC Championship game. 2013, I believe this is a wild card divisional loss to Colin Kaepernick. 2012, I again, I think it's Colin Kaepernick. In 2011, lost in the divisional round to the Giants. My memory is fading as we go back farther and farther. So. In the Packers, the past decade, they've had some heartbreakers. Let's not let that happen. Let's put it together so we're feeling more confident. Let's be able to stop, show that we can stop a lot of different things. Let's stop Derrick Henry and their running attack. Let's stop the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, uh, Phillip Rivers in there. The quarterbacks are not as tough as the stretch we went on early this year with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins is hardly even considered a quarterback at this point. A lot of veteran quarterbacks in that stretch. Uh, the upcoming, we got Phillip Rivers, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, and Nick Foles again. So I guess that is quite a bit of veterans. Um, not the top of talents there, not Drew Brees or Tom Brady, but a lot of veterans in that stretch. So it will be an interesting next seven weeks. I thank you all for watching and listening to episode 38 of Underage Packers. Be sure to tune in this Friday when hopefully we'll have to see uh, if Big B is joining me with a special guest. We'll see what happens. But thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, and go Pack Go. Big B, Tom Grassi here, wanting to send my well wishes to you as you beat the ever-living crap out of that cancer. Big B, the Mike Spofford super fan. Well, I got some news for you. I'm a Big B super fan. Big.
big B. Think about how wild that is, man. That is your brand. You have an entire brand built on the GOAT. When this is all said and done and you've kicked cancer's ass and you've overcome adversity, you're gonna be stronger and better and ready for any challenge that awaits you. Big B, it's Perry here to send all of my well wishes to you. I know you're gonna kick cancer's ass. I'm talking about how the Green Bay Packers have decimated teams this season. That's what you're gonna do to cancer. This thing has absolutely no chance. I'm talking 42 to nothing halftime lead here. Why? Cause you're big freaking fracking B. Young man, I know this has been a really tough week. And I can't imagine what these last couple weeks have been for you and your family. Roller coaster of emotions and feelings that you're going through on a daily basis. We're thinking about your brother. Keep fighting the good fight. You're gonna be the Aaron Rodgers to that cancer. Beating cancers, but knocking it down like Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter, just slinging it down there, beating them up. All right. So they're gonna try to stop you. They can't. The Devonte Adams to that cancer. Like Jamal Williams is the goat of the Packers backfield. You are the goat at kicking cancer's ass. Oh, they're trying to cover you? They're trying to hold you down? Nay, nay, they can't cover you. So don't you forget about that. And I know, and I know that you ain't forgetting that Jamal Williams is the goat. Everybody is rooting for you. We're all with you 100%. You have everybody, and I mean everybody at 1265 behind you as you begin this battle against cancer. It has absolutely no shock. As you know, we are here for you. You have an entire army of Packer people that are here at your disposal. I'm here for you, man. Once it's all said and done, I am very much looking forward to having a nice root beer with you, my friend. Once everything is over, this, including the pandemic, we know we're all going to meet up at Lambeau and drink as many Dr. Peppers as you can handle, dude. Best of luck. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. And I'm here for you any second that you need anything. You got this, man. You know what isn't the goat? Effing cancer. You're going to dominate this. You're going to own it. I'll see you at the post-game press conference.